Thank you for tuning in to the sermon webcast of Living Savior. We are one church serving in two locations, Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. For more information, go to lsavior.org. It's just one word and a common one at that. You might use it several times a day. You might hear it a dozen times or more in the course of a week. And yet it's not without controversy. For one thing, is it one syllable? Blessed? Or is it supposed to be two syllables? Blessed. Is it a word that's being used with all sincerity? Like you're trying to say how God has smiled upon you, you're, you're blessed. Or is it a polite substitute for a, a, a vulgarity? Like the guy who shows you his, his purple thumb and, and, and tells you that he, he hit it with his blessed hammer. But those aren't the only controversies. Lately, the word blessed or hashtag blessed has become a, a, a rather a rather not so subtle cover-up for bragging. Like she's, she's in the photograph sitting behind the wheel of her brand new Italian sports car. Blessed. Or he's posted a picture of himself standing on the beach at some exotic overseas resort. Hashtag blessed. Or she's smiling as she holds up her acceptance letter to, to Harvard. I'm so blessed. So has the word been, been ruined beyond all usage? Hardly. You're probably still going to use it to, to show a humble expression of gratitude to God. And hopefully you won't accuse me of bragging if I, if I use the word to, to, to share how I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for God's kindness to me or to someone that I love. Yet today we're hearing our Savior use the word blessed in nine times for what God brings about during and especially after difficult circumstances. Our Lord's blesseds may not be controversial, but they certainly contradict the way most people think of such things. Listen carefully with me. Lean in and look closely with me at, at Jesus' nine blesseds as he proves beyond the shadow of a, doubt, of a doubt that the greatest blesseds are found in the anticipation of what is yet to come. You recognize from birth that you are a spiritual beggar. You realize that there's nothing you could give to God that would gain his favor. You, you confess there's, there's nothing you could pay that could gain some of his wealth. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? Because the kingdom of God 
is theirs. Alongside me, you stand before God, reeking of of spiritual poverty. Nothing in my hands I bring, you say. And yet God rules from heaven above. And he sends his son to become poor himself so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. God rules from heaven above and grants the riches of of pardon and peace in Jesus' name. God rules in heaven above, and he sends his own son to say, in my father's house are many rooms, many mansions, and I will come back to take you to be with me so that you also will be where I am. You lament your many sins of habit as well as your sins of choice. You grieve over the fact that you can never quite get your own thoughts and desires lined up with God's standards. And you mourn the fact that so many things that you, that you want to keep are lost, including a spouse, a sibling, a parent, a grandparent, a, a dear friend. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. Why? Because you have an advocate who says that where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. You have a redeemer who met all of God's standards on your behalf. And you have a savior who points to himself as the resurrection and the life, who says, because I live, you also will live. Who says, blessed are those who mourn, because they will be comforted. Lean in, disciple. Listen carefully. For Jesus' sake, Do you try to practice humility even when others are not going to understand it or appreciate it? Do you try to be the first to apologize rather than waiting for somebody else to apologize? When you've done something good, do you pray that nobody will lift you up for it, nobody will exalt you, but but simply that you'd be content in your humility? And yet do you worry that the arrogant and the proud seem to have all the advantages? Oh, Jesus says, blessed are the, weak, are the meek. Why? Because in keeping with the promises of the Heavenly Father, throughout every day of your earthly existence, you will have everything that you need. And because then, at the last, you will receive you will inherit more blessings than you can possibly imagine. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Matthew 23. All things are yours. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Yes, the the meek, Jesus says, will inherit the earth. 
Right at the start of St. Matthew's account, he tells us that large crowds were following Jesus. And you remember why. People were coming to Jesus with kidney disease, heart failure, cancers that they did not understand and could not identify. They were going away from Jesus completely healed. Some came to him complaining of severe pain. They were leaving him pain-free. Some suffered from paralyzed legs and damaged arms. They, they were walking away from him, firing on all cylinders. Some suffered seizures because of brain injury or, or epilepsy or even demon possession. After they visited the great physician, they never experienced seizures again. Certainly, there's no greater blessing than good health, right? Except all those people whom Jesus healed, they're no longer with us any longer. Except even a long and healthy life at some point comes to an end. Realizing that the greatest blessings are yet to come, do you ache for the Lord to bring those to you or you to them? Do you, do you long for your Savior to bring about his final deliverance? Do you, do you crave for your Lord to make all things right? Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? Because when Jesus comes with all his angels, he will destroy death and disease and disability forever. Righteousness being made complete. Because when, when the devil and all of his allies are thrown into the, the lake of fire, righteousness will endure forever. Because on that great day, those who all their lives have hungered and thirst for, thirsted for righteousness, they will be filled. In repentance... You befriend and help someone who is in need. Although you wonder whether how, how much good it's going to do in the long run. Without any attempt to deceive or without any hypocrisy, you genuinely seek God's will from the heart. Although you're concerned that God may still remember when your heart was not always right with him. You've made it your ambition to admonish and to bring encouragement to those who have been battling with one another, to restore relationships, to reconcile individuals, although the results that you see are not very impressive. Yet Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? 
because for Jesus' sake they will be shown mercy. Because through the merits of the Savior, you will see God face to face. Because for the sake of his Son, God will call you his child. Old Uncle Jack means well. When a 16-year-old niece is crushed because her volleyball team lost and is out of the big tournament, Uncle Jack takes her aside and he says, don't you realize how blessed you are to be young and healthy and part of a team representing your school and, and, and competing against others in an exciting sport? Why, he says, I'd give everything to be a 16-year-old playing sports again. Old Uncle Jack means well. When his 19-year-old nephew complains about college life, Uncle Jack takes him aside and says, don't you realize how blessed you are to, to, to be in college and, and, and explore great ideas and, and, and learn how to think for yourself? Why, I'd give anything to be a 19-year-old in college again. Old Uncle Jack means well when he hears his daughter and son-in-law lament how hard it is to make ends meet and, and how difficult it is to raise children nowadays. Uncle Jack takes them aside and says, don't you realize how blessed you are to, to have jobs and to, to have healthy children to raise and to share these experiences with, with, with one another? Why, I'd give, I'd give anything to be at that point in my life again. Have you heard an Uncle Jack in your life? Well-meaning as such advice may be, it's a burden to those who listen to it because it's a way of telling them that, that right now, what you have right now, well, that's, that's as good as it's going to get. Have, have you talked like Uncle Jack recently? What a deception that is to somehow figure that the best things, the greatest blessings are all behind you and that right now there's only trouble and a, and a bleak future to look forward to. Our Lord Jesus is much more realistic about right now, isn't he? For the present, he has you admitting your, your own spiritual poverty apart from him. For the present, you acknowledge your grief and you practice a meekness that others will not appreciate. Right now, there's a, a hunger and thirst for, for a righteousness that has yet to be granted. Right now, the greatest blessings from God remain hidden. But the promise of the blessings yet to come and the reward that graciously will be given in Christ at the last the anticipation of that can have you and me jumping up and down with joy. That's abundantly clear with Jesus' final announcement of blessing. So lean in, listen carefully. Jesus says, Blessed are you 
when people insult you, persecute you, and say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who went before you. It's hard to imagine anything more troubling than to be insulted simply simply because you love Jesus or to be persecuted at the present time because you enjoy sharing the, the good news of eternal life in his name or to be lied about because at the present time you make it a priority to share the, the word of resurrection and everlasting joy with those who don't yet know it. But if in this lifetime that should happen to you because of Jesus, you can rejoice and be glad about what will be. Because in heaven, God will, in his abundant grace, reward those who persisted in their faith in the Lord and in their love for others. Which is what John got to see. Can you see it as well? The book of Revelation chapter 7, by this juncture in the book, Jesus has shown John a dozen visions or more of what will be. But this one's really special. After this, I looked, John writes, and there before me was a great multitude standing before God's throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands as if to celebrate a great victory. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and, and, and to the Lamb, they cry out. Someone asks, these in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? Someone answers, these are they who are coming out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them in his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. In this vision, John says that he saw people who were being gathered from every nation, tribe, people, and language. A huge multitude, he said, that, that no one can count and yet lean in. Dear disciple, look carefully. 
There she is. The mom who wiped your nose and showed you how to hold a spoon in your hand and taught you how to pray. There he is. Your buddy from Sunday school who experienced a very hard life and yet persevered in the faith to the end. There he is. You and your brother used to fight a lot, not just as children, but even as adults. But at the end of his days, you both acknowledged that with the Lord there is forgiveness for all such sins. There she is, the one whose passing from this life brought both of you to tears. Sure, with each of these loved ones that we remember on, on what we call All Saints Day, there is this mixture of joys and sorrows remembered. But right now, they're all singing God's praises. Right now, they're all crying out how salvation from sin and death and hell belongs to our God, and he gives it to people through Jesus Christ. Right now, they're rejoicing that their, their robes are no longer filthy with sin, but they've been made white, washed in the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who shed that blood for them on the cross. Right now, there is no more hunger, no more thirst, no more sorrow, no more discomfort, no more wandering from the flock, no more tears. And for the rest of the saints, all of this is a will be more than anything, that's why Jesus says, you also are blessed. Blessed with the anticipation that the greatest blessings from God through Jesus Christ, as much as we're blessed now and like to say it, the greatest blessings are yet to come. Right now, anticipating that someday what some are already experiencing <clears throat> will be revealed to you and to, to me and to each one of the saints. All of that revealed to the glory of our Heavenly Father. Amen. Amen.